Why Behind the Buy, a podcast for marketers focused on finding and targeting their ideal customers at scale. I'm your host, Monique Martin, and today we are continuing a discussion we had a couple of months ago about the new American mainstream, but this time we're focusing on the Asian American market. If you missed the first episode in this particular series, I suggest you take a listen to that now, then join us back for this one. With me in the studio is a familiar voice, Cesar Melgoza, a leading innovator and thought leader when it comes to all things multicultural. Cesar, thanks so much for coming back this time, sharing your experience on the Asian American uh, market. Glad to be with you. So, Caesar Claritas just released the Asian American Report, which is the second report in the New American Mainstream series. Can you give me a summary of what readers can expect from the series in general and this report in particular? Absolutely. Monique, the single most important set of facts in, the, in this year's report uh, supports just how compelling the Asian market is and should be to American companies. It's both the growth rate and the buying power that make the chief argument economic in nature. And as the report details, incomes are far higher than average, even significantly higher than for white non-Hispanic households. Although still under 6% of the population, the bulk of Asians are in their prime workforce life stage which is a key driver and reflects the earning differences, earnings differences that we see. The growth rate since 2000 is a whopping 84%. Oh, wow. And it results in a population of just under 20 million people nationwide. Now, right along with this fact is also the fact that the segment is complex. In fact, it's not just one large monolithic segment. Each nation and the corresponding culture is distinct, including language and religious backgrounds. This presents challenges to marketers. However, it's my belief that the extra care will be well worth the investment for those who get it right. What would you say are the most compelling insights that this report reveals about the Asian American consumer? Well, there are plenty of them, and I encourage everyone to download a copy of the report. It's uh, quite easy to read, but let me give you a few nuggets, four specifically, that you can try to memorize and share with your colleagues. First, nearly 20 million people in 2019. So 20 million Asians in 2019 in the United States. Second, almost 6% of the overall American population, yet 21% of the growth in the population. So more than three times the growth than the percentage of the population. So very, very fast growth. Mm -hmm. The third fact I would say is the highest household incomes by far, with an average of $116,000 per household in 2019. That's significantly greater than the white non-Hispanic households. In other words, white households, what normal, normal, normally people refer to white or Anglo households, so even far greater than white households. Fourth is that current Asian households will outspend 
even the white non-Hispanic households by $1.2 million over their remaining lifetimes. So marketers need to focus on what's at stake and what's at stake is the spending available to their company. And so Asians will spend $1.2 million more during the remainder of their lifetimes. Now, talk to me about lifetime value. There's a section in the Asian American Market Report that basically goes into this. Why is it important for companies to understand lifetime value? Sure, Monique. This is one of my favorite subjects because it's something that you can use directly in your strategic planning and your budgeting. And I'd like people to consider doing this the next time they need to write up their business plan. I'll walk you through it slowly since most people are not used to thinking of it in quite this way. Remember, the bulk of Asians are in their prime workforce life stage. They're making the money. They'll retire later, right? They're right in the core of their earning years. And it's also significantly due to their higher incomes, right? So you have younger people, much higher incomes, and therefore that spending over their lifetime will be significantly greater for that reason. And this is completely relevant to marketers because of their investment in brand equity and long-term engagement. In other words, marketers don't want customers just for one grocery trip or the next automobile they buy. Ideally, marketers are in for the long run. That is, keeping a client for a lifetime of loyalty. When investing, we need to consider this number in order to look deep into the picture of spending going forward, not in the rearview mirror. So budget to the future, not to the past. Anticipate where the market will be. Once you develop that campaign, those messages, those images, those relationships going into the future, because that's when it's going to pay off. So you need to look forward, not backward. And that's why this metric is so compelling. And you can see the details of this beginning at page 14 of this year's report. I like that. Budget to the future, not to the past. That all makes sense. The longer someone lives, the more likely they'll be spending over time, right? But I I think uh, that $1.2 million number that you threw out there, that blew me away. very significant. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, really. Uh, So, okay. I think this is going to be a perfect spot for us to take a quick commercial break because when we get back, we have a special guest who's going to be joining us. So make sure you stay with us and we'll be right back. Capturing multicultural growth opportunities requires understanding them from their likes, dislikes, preferences, behaviors, and more. These insights let you create personas, tailor messages, and create promotions specific to their wants and needs. The Asian American Market Report is full of the data you need to help drive bigger profits for your business. To receive your complimentary copy of this report, visit www.claritas.com. That's www.claritas.com. We're back and very excited to welcome Serena Lee from TDW and Co. to the Why Behind the Buy. Thank you for joining us today, Serena. Thank you. It's my pleasure. So for our listeners at home, can you give us an introduction to who you are and what exactly you do? Yeah, of course. My name is Serena Lee and I'm currently an account supervisor at TDW and Co. 
I manage multicultural and marketing uh, campaigns for clients across public, private, and nonprofit sectors. Very cool. So, Serena, is it fair to say, or would you classify yourself as a bicultural Asian American? Absolutely. I actually define myself as an 1.5 generation Chinese American. On the acculturation scale, I like to think of myself as a AA3, which is right in the middle. I immigrated from China at age of 14, and this year will mark my 17th year in the U.S., My parents, um, who came to the U.S. in their 40s, are very much AA5 still. They speak very little English, and they rely heavily on myself and my brother to translate for them from day to day. Awesome. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Uh, In hearing it, it sounds like you have a unique role in that you're on the side of marketing where you help brands with strategy, their creative, their digital direction, plus probably a whole host of other kind of advertising responsibilities. But then you're also a consumer. So how do you feel about the marketing directed towards Asian Americans from the point Uh, point of view of a consumer? Well, as a consumer, uh, it's great to see that there are more brands who market to us because it makes us feel valued. It makes us feel special. Uh, It tells us we care about you. You are important and your loyalty to our brand matters. It's really refreshing to see that compared to the overarching political climate nowadays. Now, um, from the lens of a consultant, though, I often do see that there are uh, two types of client, uh, in my opinion. Um, There are those that are willing to go above and beyond to do it right. And then those who are just marketing to Asian Americans to check off a box uh, in the diversity and inclusion uh, category. Um, I do believe that consumers can tell when a message isn't genuine. They notice when a brand drops in and out of the market, and they would even make fun of brands uh, for those that really stereotype us. And Caesar, I'm sure you'll want to kind of jump jump in here too, but you and I both have our own reactions as consumers from different ethnic standpoints, and we've discussed that previously on the um, other podcast we did together. But it's good to have another perspective in the mix, especially one that has arguably been underrepresented even more so than other uh, groups. Yes, exactly, Monique. I completely agree with Serena. Uh, con- consumers can spot authenticity or the lack thereof a mile away. And uh, paying lip service and especially getting it wrong could be a very costly mistake. At the same time, when you get it right, Asians and other cultural segments really warm up to that. They see themselves in your ads and feel that you're respecting and embracing them and their cultures. And this can really pay off big time. Serena, can you give Caesar and I, plus our listeners, an example of maybe some key learnings and who's actually done it right? Yeah, in my opinion, in order to do it right, you have to think long term. And with the Asian American segment, think of it as building relationships. Um, And healthy relationships does take time to nurture. I do believe that a sustainable relationship has to be equal and balanced. And if you dig a little bit further for the Asian American market, the foundation of a successful relationship is really coming down to trust. It's a give and take. So 
how do we build trust with that community? Um, in my professional experience, we believed in building a two-way dialogue with the community, like a conversation, a feedback loop, rather than just a one-way info dump. Asian Americans are actually very diverse and they come from different backgrounds, each with their own unique immigrant stories. Before a brand would go and think about what language to translate or how much information to translate, I usually encourage brands to take a step back and think about what your product and service actually mean to the community and how the community will best absorb that information. You might have heard of the phrase, uh, seek to understand before being understood. And we know that the best way to understand a community is really to go to them and listen to them. And this is why I believe that research is so powerful for brands and marketers alike. You can combine various methods of research, both quantitative and qualitative, to help you understand what the consumer need and want. And when number can only tell you so much, um, I usually encourage brands to really go to the community and talk to their actual customer and to understand their awareness, sentiment, barriers, motivators, and challenges. And I try to try to dig a little bit further to see why do they have certain tastes and preferences. And most of the time, I find that it's because it's tied to their immigrant stories. Now, the Chinese immigrants that have arrived during the 70s are very different than immigrants that have arrived in 2010. And there really isn't a uniform persona that embody us all as Asian Americans, per se. And I'll give you an example. So the earlier wave of Chinese-speaking immigrants are more likely to come from Hong Kong, Taiwan, and the Canton region of China. These immigrants usually speak Cantonese, Mandarin, and prefer to read traditional Chinese. They're here to pursue the American dream, the better life. But the newer wave of new money that come from inland China are more likely to speak Mandarin only and use simplified Chinese. They are not necessarily here for the better life per se. Um, In fact, a lot of them are here because they want to pursue cleaner air. They really value the environment. Now, these two groups of people, and me being stuck really in the middle of it, um, we coexist side by side now. And depending on which audience you're targeting, you may need to choose the language and the channels according to their preferences. Uh, But for a brand to really truly capitalize on a particular segment, you really have to consider the customer's experience. It's really more than ads. Are there any operational limitations that can deter the customer? Is your infrastructure ready to accept the influx of new customer with such a unique need? For example, if you have a Japanese ad asking for people to find out more information online, is your website in Japanese? If you have an ad that's in Tagalog, is your call center and sales staff actually bilingual? I believe that the upper funnel and the lower funnel must be equally ready to take on a new segment. So Serena, one more question. On the flip side, what mistakes have you seen made that ultimately led to key learnings going forward or maybe just presented an opportunity for learning? Yeah, that's a great question. A lot of the mistake I've observed over the years come from brands trying to make short-term gains with the lowest amount of investment. Um, In other words, trying to beat overly too efficient um, 
when building this relationship with the target audience. So they they may try to cut corners by simply changing an English poster's hero image with a somewhat Asian-looking face. What happened is that that poster would never would never really resonate with the audience um, just because you're changing the image. Now, another mistake I've observed is translation. It really come down to that copy, right? Straight translation of the copy without taking into consideration of the intent, the style, the tone, or even context would really be meaningless to the community. And last but not least, and I've heard this recently, is advertising that generalized the segment, assuming that they are all the same with similar tastes and preferences. And this mistake would really cause brands to miss out on huge opportunity to have meaningful engagement with that particular audience. That's great. And Caesar, I'm curious from your perspective, have you seen any missteps lead to learning lessons? Well, uh, anyone who's ever taking a college uh, marketing course remembers some of the horror stories that uh, uh, result from mistakes that were made by marketers. And there are many of them when it comes to multicultural marketing. And sometimes it's not just getting it wrong with a typo or uh, something as obvious as that. Sometimes it has to do with a metaphor, a metaphor that is not common or could be inappropriate uh, or humor that is just uh, not well understood by another culture. So it's not necessarily a thing of the past. It continues to happen. So you read it in your college textbook and you think that, well, those mistakes were made in the past and we're smarter now. That's not necessarily the case. It can happen uh, all the time. And one of the most obvious mistakes is when you have a lack of continuity between the marketing message and the follow through, the engagement with the client at the call center, at the store or wherever it is that uh, you're touching that consumer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Un- unfortunately, as a consumer, I can think of a couple of missteps where the messaging was really wrong. I what comes to mind is the whole Kendall Jenner Pepsi commercial and it was seen as being trivializing to political protests like Black Lives Matter movement or there was a uh, Dove ad where a black woman was wearing a brown shirt and she uses the Dove body wash and suddenly she turns into a white woman in a white shirt and that's obviously perpetuating a, a centuries old stereotype so both of those totally missed the mark. And from a consumer standpoint, it's hard to believe or hard to actually imagine what the intent was with those, uh, those messages. But that's proof that there's still room to grow when it comes to diversity and inclusion in marketing campaigns. But then I also think again of Dove in a way that they got it right when they did their campaign for real beauty. And I think that was back in 2004, somewhere around there where they released that one. And they showed women of all shapes, sizes, colors, and it was meant to question society's notion of female standards of beauty and instill confidence to be comfortable with yourself. So it's kind of hard to believe that a company that launched something so groundbreaking with their messaging and uh, what they're putting out there was able to then turn around a few years later and get something so wrong. But yeah, that's that's what happens, and that's why it's really important to um, to look at who you're marketing to to make sure that you're sending them the right message, like we've been talking about this whole episode so far. 
Serena, I just have one more question before I let you go for today. Uh, so the Asian American market report that we just released at Claritas, it emphasizes this group's enormous buying power. But what can you tell me that uh, qualitatively that would help marketers focus on engaging in a more effective manner? Yeah, uh, emphasizing on the social equity aspect of multicultural marketing, um, you should know that having an enormous purchasing power doesn't necessarily mean everyone is rich. Uh, the household income level across different sub-segments can vary greatly, actually. Some of us are big spenders, but others are quite frugal. So... However, one thing that you can count on, though, is that Asian Americans are very value driven. If we perceive the product is worth the money, we will spend the money. Thank you for sharing your experiences with us, Serena, both personal and professional. Uh, if people want to know more about TDW and Co., where can they go? Go ahead and give us your shameless plug. <laughs> Please visit us at tdwnco.com, and that is tdwandco.com. And I welcome everyone to bombard my inbox at serena.lee at tdwnco.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. So, Caesar, you've given our listeners some great insights into the Asian American market. I learned a lot, and I know they will have too. But before I let you go, let me ask you, if you had to sum it up, what would you say are the top three things marketers should keep in mind when trying to reach the Asian American market? Well, I'll keep it short and sweet. Number one is know the numbers. Business is driven by data. Business is driven by numbers. Know the numbers, not just today, but the future trends of where we're going, all right? Number two is bite the bullet and do it with TLC. So make a decision, invest, and do it right. And finally, I would say, remember to help the rest of the organization understand the nuances of your campaign and execute the strategy the way that you dreamed they could execute it. The last thing you want is to have a brilliant award-winning campaign and then it falls down in the organization because your colleagues don't know how to execute at a local level, don't have the resources, or just are not following through with all the things that clients need to hear so that that investment in that campaign pays off. So the last point, just to reiterate, is help the rest of the organization execute the strategy. That's great. I think number three is my favorite. If everyone isn't on board, it's just not going to work. And I love it when we can end these podcasts on something actionable that our listeners can immediately walk away with in terms of a, a plan or a path forward. So thank you for that. Well, folks, we're just about out of time for today's episode, but I want to thank my guests, Caesar and Serena, for joining me. And as always, thank you at home and on the go for downloading and listening. If you haven't already, we would love for you to subscribe to The Why Behind the Buy so you never miss an episode. Rate us five stars and leave us a positive comment. If you liked what you heard today and you want to learn more about the new American mainstream, and in particular, the Asian American market, visit www.claritas.com. We'll see you next time.